Jesus says to his disciples, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, many of his disciples leave him after that, no surprise there. And then we see some words in the Bible that actually aren't there and shouldn't be there. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. How y'all doing today? Mm, I don't, we can't really get a response from them. because Oh, they can comment. They can comment. Yeah, that's true. It's we'll have instant, to wait. But you know, we'll yeah. have to wait until It'll, next it'll be a prolonged introduction for, yeah. for us, yeah. No, oh, I like that. Like, subscribe, like comments, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, so you feeling a little tired this morning? A little bit, you know, just kids and life and craziness. Yeah, yeah. That, that'll do it to you. Yeah, you know. This whole life thing is a little tiring. Yeah, life is tiring. Well, thank the Lord Jesus. He gives us new life and energy and, uh, yeah, anyway. Oh, man, this this gospel is just so good. Just reading through it again, isn't it so evident how different this is from yes. Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Very much so. Like, you just can't miss it. Um, so many prolonged, you know, monologues of mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Um, so we've we've talked last week about how the synoptic gospels are different from John. If you don't know what that word synoptic means, go back to the beginning of Matthew. But just a refresher on it, synoptics have a similar viewpoint. So the Matthew, Mark, and Luke all kind of approach Jesus in a similar way, t- telling similar stories. They share a lot of content, but John is different. Right. So basically, it's a way to say John's the the oddball out, <laughs> and and it's. Fascinating because John, you know, he was a disciple of Jesus. He was one of the the closest, most intimate disciples of Jesus. And so he provides a picture of Jesus that's in line with that. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense. So um, we we saw how the apostle John wrote this. He's called the disciple Jesus loved Mm -hmm. because he's full of himself. And he's saying Jesus doesn't love you. What what does that even mean, the disciple that Jesus loved? Like, does Jesus just love him more than anybody else? I I, I mean, I think it's a humble thing. I really do. I think he's just saying like, He's not going to use his own name because he mm-hmm. defines himself by the love of Jesus, which yeah. is awesome and yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And we saw the purpose for the writing of the Gospel of John in, at the end of chapter 30, or chapter 20, yeah. sorry, <laughs> 20, 30 to 31. Um, this is written so that you may believe right. that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Mm-hmm. So that's the purpose. It's very clear. I love that. I love that when a book gives us the thesis. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to like try to figure it out. Yeah, themes. themes. The divinity of Jesus is on full display. Man, I, I, I always knew the Gospel of John you know, focus on the divinity of Christ and obviously we've taught through it, but to read it again, you're like, man, it is in so many ways hitting on this theme again and again in a way that you can't deny. Mm-hmm. Even like how it ends with, well, toward the end where Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Mm. Like there's certain times where if you're the writer of this gospel and Jesus isn't God and you want to communicate that, you could say, like, right. he was wrong, right. you know, or Jesus said, no, no, don't worship me. I'm not God. Right. But he receives worship. He receives adoration. Yeah. And he claims divinity in so many different ways. Right. And well, yeah, we can't how, even trace all of them. How many conversations do you have with people that are generally either, you know, weird liberal theologians or just secular people that say, like, oh, Jesus never said he was God in Scripture, yeah. so therefore... You shouldn't believe it. What? Yes. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, the Gospel of John, I mean, the, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke should shut that down. They're yeah. very clear. Right. Gospel of John is just like pounding us over right. and over and over again from the first verse. Yeah. You know, the word was God. Yep. 
So we'll see the divinity of Jesus. We see an intimate look at Jesus. Um, we see this focus on signs. So there's mm-hmm. seven signs in the Gospel of John, meaning miracles, but he calls them signs, a different word than the other Gospels because he's focusing on what they reveal about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the miracles are just a pointer to right, a signs, sign that bows, points yeah. to something about who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And so the structure of the book is consists of a lot of those. Like these ex- example would be chapter 6 where there is a miracle done involving making bread and then Jesus talks about how he is the bread of life. Yeah. So there you go. You have this miracle that points to a reality about Jesus. Yep. So we'll see seven of those in the first 11 chapters. And I should add, I didn't mention this last time, but there's the I am statements of mm-hmm. John, yep. which all speak clearly to the divinity of Jesus, right? I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the gate. I'm the shepherd. I'm the vine. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. I'm the resurrection and the life. These are all statements that, I mean, s- speak powerfully to who Jesus is, but they also use this emphatic I am yeah, in Greek, yeah. which connects back to the name of God in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Most obvious connection, of course, is Exodus chapter 3, mm-hmm. where Jesus, re- or, well, Moses. is Jesus, but <laughs> he's, it's God reveals himself as Yahweh, I am. Right. I am that I am, and then tell Pharaoh, I am has sent you. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is clearly invoking the divine name. Right. We'll see them try to kill Jesus over him using that phrase, I am, mm-hmm. with just a naked I am. Yeah, because the Jewish people knew exactly what he was saying. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and also, I think a less obvious connection, but a very important one, is that these I am statements in John are connected to Isaiah as well. Hmm. There's a lot of I am statements starting in uh, Isaiah 41, kind of in the 40s of Isaiah, there's a bunch of I am, I am, I'm the first and last, right? I am he, that these these connect with the I ams of John. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see, set, like I said, seven I am statements where he says, I am the blank. Mm-hmm. But then we also see a bunch of just I ams, right? Uh, which translates probably in your version to I am he, but it's an emphatic I am. Mm-hmm. So that as well, we'll kind of track those as we go through. These are Those are very important. Yeah, awesome. Um, general outline? Yeah, so we saw the prologue last week in the first half of chapter 1, and then we get into the book of signs, so mm-hmm. chapters 1 all the way to the end of 12, and this is where we'll see those seven signs laid out, the seven miracles, and then chapters 13 to 20, or this is the book of glory, the last glory. 24 hours of Jesus' life, and where he spends a lot of time with his disciples in the upper room, giving them important last-minute information. And then chapter 21 finishes with an epilogue. Cool. Where things are kind of wrapped up in a nice bow. Awesome. Love bows. Okay. (laughs) Let's get in the text. Uh, Chapter four, huh? Chapter four. So chapter four, we we see the very famous story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. So the the woman at the well. Yeah. Now there's a lot of there's a lot of well it's like a theme, it's a motif in scripture, right? People meeting at wells. Yeah. Like Jacob meets Rachel mm-hmm. at a well. Yep. Moses meets Zipporah mm-hmm. at a well. There's a, there's a lot of well encounters. And here you have Jesus at Jacob's well, and he's meeting a sinful woman. And this this meeting will also be very important. But it kind of yep. seems to break the pattern, right? At first, <laughs> like this is an important meeting, but it's not it doesn't look that important. Right. But she's a Samaritan, and we've we've seen this before. What are Samaritans? They're these half breed Jews 
that uh, are religiously and ethnically inferior in the eyes of the Jews, right. who, of course, back then, different way of, of you know, viewing religion. Yeah, Jews and Samaritans don't get along too well. Do not get along, no. right? They worship at the wrong location, yep. worship at Mount, Mount Gerizim instead of worshiping at Zion. How dare the they? The temple. How dare they? I mean, really, how dare <laughs> they? It's pretty bad. And so the Jews were despised. And so Jesus begins this interaction with her where it's funny because she just constantly doesn't get what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's, he's speaking in, in cryptic ways to her. Jesus, in, in verse 10, he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Mm-hmm. So living water just means flowing water, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that's what they would call living water. I always thought it was like that term was you know inherently spiritual. Mm. He's just saying, I want to drink from the well. And if you knew who I was, you'd ask for flowing, you know, streams of water. Super like, duper what fresh are you water. About? Yeah. Electrolytes, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> Some Gatorade. <laughs> um, and she doesn't get it. So she's like, what? Are you, what? How are you going to get water? You don't even have anything to draw with. And in verse 13, it says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Mm-hmm. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. So this is some strange water. Yeah, it's a Gatorade. It is, it is Gatorade. <laughs> the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal there, life. See, I knew you were like under-spiritualizing this passage. See, it's yes. talking about spirituality there. Absolutely, yeah. So now he's being really clear as to what he's talking about. This is going to be water that gives life and that gives eternal life. <laughs> And she still doesn't get it, right? So she's still confused. And so the subject changes to her love life. Mm-hmm. And because Jesus is trying to get at the heart of this woman, you know, what is in her heart. And so he identifies, he says, yeah, bring your husband to me. And she says, oh, I don't have a husband. He's like, yeah, you've had five and you're living with wah, a dude wah, now. Wah. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think they all died. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe she is the black widow, the undertaker. Um, but no, she, I mean, she's had, uh, she's been sexually promiscuous. Yeah. Um, she's a sinful woman. So she's a Samaritan and she's sinful. And um, I love her response when, he's, when he identifies, you know, all the husbands she's had and stuff. Verse 19, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> it's like, so you're kind of a tramp. And she's like, you must be a prophet. <laughs> I love it. She's like, you got, you got uh, real insight here. And so he begins, to, he begins to speak with her about true worship, right? Worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Right. And then in verse 26, he reveals who he is. So she says, you know, I know the Messiah is coming, the Christ is coming. And he says, verse 26, I who speak to you am he. Mm-hmm. In Greek, I am. Mm-hmm. I am. So the really powerful statement there. And so she is amazed by this, right? She runs into her hometown, begins to preach the gospel, which in her case is literally just come meet the guy who told me everything I ever did. <laughs> but it, it is a powerful, it's a powerful testimony and it, and it leads to conversions in some sense in her hometown. I mean, obviously um, like the whole like, you know, um, unacceptables being brought into the kingdom of God, you know. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, a theme from Luke, which is not absent here. Yeah. Yeah, that, that the Samaritans are believing and coming to faith in Jesus. Um, so it really incredible story and we could spend so much time on it, of course, but... Right. Um, but we see this this story where Jesus is identifying himself as the source of living water, mm-hmm. and he is showing love towards someone who is definitely an outcast in right. every way. Yeah. Even just the fact that she's coming to the well in the middle of the day. Yeah. Many have observed that that is probably a sign that she is she doesn't even fit in with her own people. Right. And she doesn't want to be there when everyone else would come. You know, in the cool of the day, not right. when it's blazing hot. Right. 
And so we see we see that story, great story, great to meditate on. Then the second sign in the Gospel of John occurs at the end of chapter four. So the first sign was changing water into wine. This mm-hmm. is the first miracle. This is the second one, the healing of an official's son. And then the third sign is in chapter five, mm-hmm. which I think is worth kind of getting into a little bit more. Um, but there's a man who is paralyzed, who's laying at a pool called Bethesda. You can go and see this in Israel today. You can go to the pool. It's crazy. Uh, people doubted that it existed, and they uncovered it with the five you know, columns, columns that are mentioned here, which are just like stubs now. But Did they fill up with water and get people to go in there and get healed? Yeah, that was the... That was the Belief. No, do they do that today? Today, no. no. The angel comes down and stirs it up. Um, so this guy's laying there, an invalid, and Jesus comes up to him, verse 6, and he says, do you want to be healed? So Jesus, in a, in a whole you know scene full of invalids, mm-hmm. full of sick and paralyzed people, Jesus comes up to this guy specifically and asks if he want to be, wants to be healed. Mm. And the guy basically says, you know, oh, I... I, no one can bring me down to the pool. I can't, you know, I can't. They, they believed in this sort of, uh, you know, angel would come stir up the waters and then they would go in and get healed. And mm-hmm. he's like, I can't get there fast enough. Right. So he doesn't even answer the question. Right. And Jesus says, you're healed, right? Mm-hmm. Take up your mat Verse seven, yeah. We are verse eight. Get up, take up your bed and walk. So he's healed. He's walking. He's, he's I'm sure, stoked. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, how, like 30 plus years? Right. I think 38 years. Yeah, yeah verse 5, like 38 years. Yeah. And so he's walking along, and this causes controversy because Jesus has told him to carry his mat. It's the Sabbath, so Dude, you if I was you walking it. for the first time in, you know, 38 years, I would, like, not even thinking about sabbatical no law, you way. know? Yeah, no way. Like, what day is it? I forget what day it is now half the time. So... This causes this this causes controversy, right? Because this is a perceived violation of the Sabbath, right? And then the they ask him, "Why are you carrying your bed?" And he says, "Well, this guy told me he healed me. He told me to carry my bed." <laughs> and they're like, "Well, who is he?" You know. And then basically, it's does he does he rat him out in this passage? Is that what happens here? He's like, he's Jesus appears to him again, and then he turns around and says to the authorities, yes. like, "Oh, hey, that was, that was, <laughs> it was the guy. Jesus, maybe, yeah, yeah." I, I, I remember when you preached on this, you were like, "Yeah, it's." Basically, this guy is kind of, you mm-hmm. know, saying that yeah, Jesus is he's his fault. And a lot of people, like, p- push back on that. Yeah. Like, surprisingly. Right. Because for me, I'm like, you, he could be really dumb. But you know these people are upset. You know that they don't like what you're doing. Obviously, yeah. And you know that he commands you to do it. So why would you go out of your way to tell them Exactly. There's it one was conversation Jesus. and he goes back, yeah. Like, you're, it seems like you're trying to get him in trouble. Um, so that seems like a, a natural assumption. I mean, and Jesus, even yeah. Jesus says, right, like, uh, verse 15 sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you mm-hmm. it still seems like, like that's a, it's an interesting that's kind of a unique warning that he gives right. to this guy right so it seems to be some sort of context of his heart still isn't right with god yeah but anyway very interesting this that jesus would pick this guy would um you know would 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 heal him without his you know, free will being engaged, essentially, without his choice <laughs> being made. Yeah. And Jesus is just choosing to show his grace and his love to someone because he chooses them. Mm-hmm. And the way Jesus is speaking here, he talks about how my father is working until now and I am working. Mm-hmm. Verse 18, it says, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Dun, dun, dun. We always just assume that 
this this idea of God being a father is just all throughout the Old Testament, mm-hmm. but it's not. Right. This is this is very unique to Christianity, to Jesus coming in as the Son of God, the true Son of God in every sense, and making us children of God. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a common term for God. So, but this is massive because again, John is saying here they wanted to kill him because he was claiming to be God. Right. Wouldn't that be the time if Jesus isn't God to say they were wrong? They didn't understand what he was saying. Right. It was just a metaphor. It was just a you know. No, John is clearly implying that they are right. Mm-hmm. They're wrong morally, but they're right theologically. They get right. who he is. Right. They get what he's saying. So, very very interesting. Very cool. Let's go to chapter six. There's a lot in chapter. I mean, we could just sift through this forever. Chapter six, though, we see the fourth sign, which is the feeding of the five thousand. Mm-hmm. So again, that's in every gospel. Yep. But in John, this is going to be used as a way to illuminate who Jesus is, hmm. to show that Jesus is what he calls himself, the bread of life. Right. The sign. Um, right. The, yeah, the, the, fi- the, the fifth sign is him walking on water. So that comes right after. Mm-hmm. And even just the way that he, that he goes about this is really interesting. So we see the same kind of story as the rest of the gospels. He's, you know, they're on the they're on the sea, they're rowing, it's dark, Jesus starts walking along, they freak out, whatever. All that. But he's but what happens when he makes contact with them is verse 20, he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Hmm. And of course that it is I right. is yeah. I am. I am. So he's fed them with bread in the wilderness, mm-hmm. and now he's walking across the waters and saying, I am. Hmm. This is all very Exodus-like. Right. In fact, not only that, but verse 21 says, then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Mm. So it emphasizes that he brings them across the sea. Right. So all of this, I really believe, is meant to mirror the Exodus story. Very cool. Where Jesus, or yeah, obviously Jesus as we know him now, but God, um, Yahweh, saves the people, right? He feeds them in the desert. He makes a way through the sea. Mm-hmm. He calls himself the I am. All these elements are in that story. Yeah. And that's, I think, confirmed by the, the conversation that's had later. Mm-hmm. So the rest of chapter six is this conversation between Jesus and the Jews where they bring up the Exodus story. Mm-hmm. They say, you know, Moses fed the people with manna. What sign are you going to do for us? Right. After he just did a sign. Yeah, a sign. For him. For, uh, yeah. Bread. <laughs> and he's basically just like, you just want, f- you just want free bread. Right. Which I mean, you know, when you go to the restaurant, that's like the best part. Oh you're, yeah. You're like, I, can I get like a what third thing about, of free bread? We were talking as about if this last that time. really matters to them yeah. at all. Like free, free. Uh, isn't Olive Garden like a big, you know, garlic bread, free bread or something? Oh yeah, breadsticks. Breadsticks. That's what it is. I knew it was something there. I've only been there like three times, man. Yeah, exactly. So you're getting all the the, the free stuff and. That's what they want. They want the the swag. But they don't Uh, want Jesus. That's the problem. Yes, exactly. So Jesus challenges them, right? Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. So again, there's this contrast. We talked about how there's a contrast between the heavenly and earthly realities in John. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, you're working for temporal fleeting things. Try to get what endures. Right. And then they, you know, they're going back and forth. Okay, what must we do to do the works of God? In verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, mm. that you believe in him whom he has sent. Boom. So you see the emphasis again in John of belief. This is what it means to right. do the works of God. Believe, believe, believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're missing that entirely, right? So they ask for a sign. 
they reference the manna story. And um, let me see here. Verse, verse tw- oh, sorry, we're right, right, verse 29. Verse 30 and 31, right? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. And Jesus says, uh, the, verse 33, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Hmm. So they say, yeah, give us this bread. And then there's the I am statement in verse 35. I am the bread of life. So many I am's. Yes. So many. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Man, mm. what an am- these are just like amazing memory verses. Right. Right? Like that's, that's in- incredible that our hunger and our thirst is satisfied in Jesus. And he's speaking obviously spiritually. Mm-hmm. What we need spiritually is satisfied only in Jesus. Yeah. And the and, same, same message we heard, you know, at the pool, right? Yeah. I mean, not the pool, at the well. At the well, yeah, 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 yeah so. exactly. And there's some just pretty amazing statements about the doctrine of election in this passage. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we're teaching through Genesis right now, and, man, it's just amazing how many times election seems to come up. The choice of Abraham, mm-hmm. the, the choice in the sense of Isaac over Ishmael, the choice of Jacob over Esau. There's always this choosing of God. And it was the same going through John. I mean, John is just loaded with this doctrine of election. Oh, everywhere, yeah. Which I mean, is so sad to me that some people with, you know, kind of react to that, withdraw from that. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get that there are philosophical challenges to the doctrine. I mean, obviously, that's, that's clear. Yeah. It brings, brings up a lot of questions. And the Bible doesn't solve all of them. But you have to just see the emphasis here that he is saying, this is the work of God. God is the one who saves, and He has chosen, and He's and He's uh, holding you safe, right? You're not going to fall away from from Him if you're His. Yeah. I mean, listen to some of these verses. Verse thirty-seven: All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I'll never cast out. This is an amazing statement in terms of how is free will and divine election compatible? Right? Are they compatible? And I would say absolutely. Right. The Bible is clear about that. And here's a good example of it. Mm-hmm. Whoever the Father gives to me will come to me. So there's first the giving of the Father. Mm-hmm. So the Father chooses some to be saved by Jesus. He, he elects. And the natural consequence of that is that those people will come to Jesus. Yeah. Like how do you know if you're elect? Well, one of the ways that you can see that in action is have you come to Jesus? <laughs> yeah. do, you do you believe in him? Do you want to believe Are him? you growing in obedience? Right? Do mm-hmm. you show the works of the Spirit? If you do, I mean, that's... Those are from God. Those are those are uh, God wrought. Mm-hmm. You know, they're made. They're made by God. And so, what a, what a powerful statement. And then not only that, but whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. All right. So if you are coming to Jesus, you might say, "Well, am I elect? Can I come? Well, come to, just come to Him. <laughs> come to Him because if that's showing the, the work of God in your life, the regeneration of the Spirit, mm-hmm. as we saw in John three, the new birth, and He's going to receive you. Right. That's what he does. He right. loves to receive sinners. He gets glory from that. We look at verse 39. Again, another incredible statement about security. He says, This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Mm-hmm. So this is God's will, that, God, that Christ isn't going to lose those that he saved. Right. And, and that's all the way to the, the final salvation of resurrection and mm-hmm. glorification. Yeah. Or look at verse 44. Yeah. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Yeah, that's uh, I always like like reading uh, verse thirty-seven along with forty-four because it's like you know, one hand it's like 
you know, all that the Father gives me will come to me. But then it's like, no one can even come to the Father except yeah. through Jesus. So if you're given, you will naturally at some point in your life respond mm-hmm. by coming to Jesus. But don't think that you can come to Jesus on your own strength. Right. It has to be the work of, of God, right? God working in your life to draw you to him. Mm-hmm. Because our natural tendency is to run from Jesus. Right. So just amazing. We 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 gotta you know move on here, but man, amazing statements in this chapter, mm. and I even just love how it ends, right? Like the people leave Jesus, they abandon him in big numbers. Yeah, verse and, sixteen. Yeah, and Jesus asks, you know, are you gonna leave me too? Well, first he says in verse sixty three, he says it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Right. What again? What a a great statement, clear statement about our own sinful need. Like we don't have. It's not like it's a 50-50 job, salvation. It's not like it's a 99% and 1% job. Right, 100% God. We, we, it's 100% God that does this, and we depend entirely on His Spirit to regenerate us, to create that desire in us, to draw us to Him. You know, I think Jesus would have, you know, if He would have just left it at that, He probably would have had more followers if He didn't say, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He probably, he probably would have kept a few of those <laughs> That is guys. true. So, that is a good point. Yeah. Shame on you. Yeah, he's saying Forgive something, yeah, about <laughs> the need to, you know, fully ingest Jesus. That's not speaking about, um, you know, communion here, I don't believe. He's speaking about um, fully being in Jesus and having Jesus in you to to live on Jesus, to abide in Jesus. Yeah, to be nourished not of the things of this world, but of, you know, Christ, you know? Yeah, no. exactly. Let's go to chapter 8 in a little bit of time we have left here. Chapter 8. We do see this woman caught in adultery. This is a similar situation to the end of Mark. Ah, yes. Um, so Words in the Bible shouldn't be there. Yeah, so you can reference that. I know this is such a beloved passage. Like, where the end of Mark is kind of quirky, mm-hmm. you know, drinking poison and stuff. We're like, okay, that makes sense. This is a little bit harder. Um, I'm not going to go in detail right now, but just to say the earliest manuscripts don't include this. It does not seem historically reliable. It may have been, I think it was, it's very ancient. I think it's probably true, but it, it almost certainly wasn't part of the original text of John. Yeah, so we can't look at it as canon. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so that's why your Bible brackets it off, probably has a note there letting you know that this is doubtful. Yeah. But does it change anything about the story of Scripture? No, I mean, the same doctrines are still upheld, yeah. uh, the same grace of Jesus. And again, I, I think this probably happened as written. Right, but it was added in by someone else later. Yeah, cool. So let's let's look a little bit at the next "I am" statement, which is in chapter eight, verse twelve. "I am the light of the world." So Jesus is proclaiming that He is the one who brings knowledge. Right. So whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Yeah, I like this. It's like harkening back to John one. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that light that brings life. That is from Jesus. He mm-hmm. is the light of the world. So he enlightens, he brings knowledge, mm-hmm. true knowledge about self and about God. Right. And he's the one who shows us the way to God. Mm. So such an important statement there. And then we see more I ams throughout this chapter. I mean, this chapter is loaded with them, right? Mm-hmm. He's having this kind of, I mean, it gets really heated with the Jews. Mm-hmm. But he says in verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, read that as I am. Right you will die in your sins. Mm-hmm. Unless you know Jesus is the I am, you'll die in your sins. Verse 28, he says again, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. Hmm. So that, that again, I am. Underline these in your Bible as you read. It's so helpful. Just underline them or circle them. These I am statements of John. 
he mm-hmm. is saying emphatically that he is divine. Mm-hmm. And, and the, it progresses, you know, in, in a great way, right? We see that famous verse in verses 31, 32. And, uh, and then we see the, the Jews fighting back with him. So they say in verse 28, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Mm-hmm. I love that. Just yeah. Is it fair to say that you're both a half-breed Jew and you have a demon? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but he, he's fighting with them and he's saying, I, you know, Abraham saw my glory. And they're saying, how could Abraham have seen you? You're not even 50 years old. You're, right. you're young. And he says that definitive statement in verse 58. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, yeah. I am. Yeah. Very clear. There's no way anyone could doubt what he's saying there. He's speaking to himself as Yahweh, mm-hmm. as the preexistent God of the universe, right. creator, redeemer God. And their reaction says it all, right? They, they picked up stones to throw at him, but he hid himself. So they understand what he's saying. Right. <laughs> so exactly. clear. So the Gospel of John is laying out so clearly for us who Jesus is and what that means for us, the implications of that, which is that Jesus is our sustenance. He's mm-hmm. our life. He's our light. He's he's everything. Yeah, awesome. and I think I think just a good takeaway as we end is, uh, and I know we know this or we've heard this, but how incredible is it that the same God who created, the same God who delivered in the Exodus, is the one who's here in Jesus Christ? Yeah, it wasn't it's like incredible. Jesus was inactive. The Son of God was inactive through history. Mm-hmm. He was intimately involved, and now he's come to to make redemption final yeah, to seal beautiful. the deal. Yeah, yeah. Thank. So, Thank the Lord that he is a God like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, Amen. Amazing. Amen. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel. We'll uh, see you next week for our continued uh, uh, walk through the Gospel of John.